This week on the Tech and Tech Podcast, it's our 200th episode, and we're bringing in some old friends to talk mentorship, cloud, and containers. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Tech on Tap Podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipoc. Zipoc. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio, and, and I, you know what? This is this is episode 200. This is a momentous occasion, and to do something about that, I don't usually do special things for episode like centennials and stuff. But this is the bicentennial, and in, in the spirit of America, um, I'm having a reunion of sorts. And to do that, I brought in Glenn Sizemore. Hi, Glenn. What's going on, Justin? How are we doing, buddy? Long time no talk. Yeah, it's been a little bit. It has been. Well, especially on the podcast. Every now and then, Glenn and I get lunch. Um, but we we were we invited Sully, but in true podcast fashion, Sully's not here. Well, I mean, we needed it to line up to the other 120 episodes we did, right? That's right. We should just rename the podcast, Sully's Not Here. You could have left him in the intro the whole time. Nobody would have known. <laughs> That's true. I could have. Uh, anyway, we had to pull him out, though, because he's off at Red Hat now. But he wanted to join us. He's off doing other things today. That said, we are going to talk about some really good stuff. Uh, and to do that, we've invited a couple special guests. So starting off on the phone, Kaslyn Fields is here. Hi, hello, Kaslyn. Hello, hello. So, so How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Doing great. So, Kaslyn, um, what is it that you do these days? I know you were formerly of NetApp. Now you were doing what? Yeah, so I was a... QA engineer at NetApp, and then I became a technical marketing engineer focusing on containers and Kubernetes and cloud-native stuff. And now I am a cloud advocate at Oracle, where I focus on a lot of the same stuff, open source, cloud-native, containers, all that awesomeness. Excellent. All right. Um, So, Kaslin, if we wanted to reach you on social media, how do we do that? So, I'm on Twitter, at Kaslin Fields, or you can look me up on LinkedIn, I'm pretty easy to find because my name is pretty unusual. It is. Um, also with us today is uh, Rippy. Hello. Hi. Hi. Rippy. Uh, so, Rippy, yes. Jonathan. Yes. Rippy, comma, Jonathan. Yes. Um, what do you do here at NetApp? Um, I'm a programmer here. Um, I work on our Trident uh, project, which was you know been talked about on the podcast before, on the blogs and everything. Um, yep. Just uh, working on a, a new release. We have four releases a year. All right. Um, working on the, just working on the new, new features for that. Uh, excited to be on the podcast, talking with Glenn and Kaslin again. That's we, right. We talk, yeah, we talk outside of this, but you know, it's good to hang out with everybody. We're, we're going to talk about how we talk outside about this. Yeah. Um, so things we're going to cover. We're going to cover what Kaslin's been up to in, in terms of the jobs she do, She does. Um, we're also going to talk a bit about DevOps. We're going to talk a bit about mentoring, and we're going to talk about what Glenn's been up to over there at the VMware's. Uh, so let's start off with Kaslin, though. So Kaslin. I understand you were a little bit of an artist. Indeed. I've been trying to work that into my uh, tech talks. I love mixing my skills to try to make teaching people about tech easier. So I recently created my own little website at kaslin.rocks. Which whoa, 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 whoa. There's anything. a .rocks domain? Kaslin.rocks, yep. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> It's not. A, it's it's very humble. Yes. Uh, or is it is it, is it humble or <laughs> you know. humble? Yes. Yes. You gotta be. It is one you of the other. Gotta be a little humble. <laughs> so so what does this Kaslin.rocks entail? 
So this is where I'm putting all of my comics about tech concepts. So I have a few out right now, not a whole lot. I'm working on more. Uh, but one of the recent ones that I did uh, that a lot of people know about is one about uh, comparing containers to cookies. And I did this as a lightning talk at KubeCon EU. So the, the comic basically goes over this analogy of explaining the benefits of containers through the analogy of cookies. Okay, so what type of cookies? I use <laughs> chocolate chip cookies because we all know that they're the best. Are they gluten-free? I guess they could be if you want them to be. Okay. There are chocolates. Any, any component beyond that is just optional. It's true. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. So tell us a little more about that. Like, you know, how are containers like cookies? I also have another one about uh, more of a system engineer's perspective on containers. And it compares uh, containers to a doggy daycare, explains things like uh, C groups and namespaces, the Linux kernel components that make up containers. So that one's a little bit more in depth. But okay. the cookie container analogy is more high level. This is what containers are. This is why you should be excited about them. It starts out with this uh, diagram. If you've ever looked up VMs compared to containers before, you've probably seen this diagram. It's got a bunch of different levels with your infrastructure on the bottom. Then you've got your operating system. And with virtual machines, you have a hypervisor, guest operating system, and all of your applications and their dependencies. Containers, on the other hand, it's infrastructure, operating system, container engine, and then your application and all of its dependencies. That was a lot of words just then, and probably a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, totally, I get that, <laughs> which is <laughs> totally, how I, I feel when I look at that diagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. It's, uh, yeah. it's blocky. <laughs> yeah, it's very blocky, and it, it's not very fun. Like it doesn't. It's not fun. It not doesn't really tell you what the benefits are. It's just kind of a lot of boxes. And if you don't know what those boxes mean, then you're kind of lost. So let's talk about it as cookies instead. So imagine you have a bowl full of cookies. So your bowl, first off, is like your infrastructure. Your infrastructure has a set amount of memory, CPU, set amount of resources you can use to run applications. In that way, it's like a bowl. It has a limited capacity to hold cookies. Now, these cookies can be either containers or VMs. In this analogy, both containers and VMs are cookies, but containers are little cookies and VMs are big cookies. So then I compare it back to that diagram earlier, and I show that the uh, bigger cookies have the guest operating system the application and the dependencies pieces of, of that diagram. And the smaller cookie just has the application and its dependencies. So that guest operating system is pretty heavy. It takes up a lot of resources. It takes up a lot of space. And that's why your virtual machine cookies take up more space in your bowl. And then we can take that even further. We all know that chocolate chips are the best part of a cookie. So let's say that the chocolate chips are like the application you actually want to run. Whether you're running virtual machines or containers, your main goal is probably to run some application. The problem is that that application has dependencies. So if you try to just move that application to another machine or you want to uh, spin it up for the first time or something, you have to have all of these other components in place to make that application work. So you package it up into a virtual machine or a container, and then you have 
your application and its dependencies all in one place, you can move it around a lot more easily. Also, if you think about it as cookies, imagine that you have flour and butter and sugar and chocolate chips all in a bowl, and then you want to move that to a different bowl, it's going to be a mess. You don't want to do that. So we bake them up into these cookies, and that makes them a lot more portable. So imagine that you're a system administrator. Your job is to make sure that development teams have all of the resources they need. You have a set amount of capacity that you have to use to fulfill their needs. Your uh, developers are basically chocoholics. They want their applications, but they don't really care what form they get them in. So you're going to provide your chocoholics with chocolate chip cookies, but are you going to provide them with big chocolate chip cookies or little chocolate chip cookies? So with this analogy, I suggest that you should use uh, the little chocolate chip cookies because they use your space more efficiently so you can get more devs uh, the chocolate that they're craving, hopefully without having to request budget for another bowl. So that's the analogy. So there's a flaw in your design here. Um, <laughs> so in the cartoon, you tell me to, you, you say you're going to explain it like I'm five, right? Yep. And if I'm five, I want that big cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, you want the big cookie but... now, too. It's <laughs> true. But I'm going to pretend I'm five. Yes. Okay. But imagine if you could have more cookies. Yeah. Think about the density bed. of cookies here. Yeah. Oh, I don't and disagree. Kids, but as yeah. an admin. Kids love small yeah. things. Yeah. Kids so, love things that are kid-sized. Yes. So, so as an admin, I'm trying to always keep the big cookies, right? Yeah. Because that's what I know and I'm familiar with. Right. But I'm I'm not I'm afraid of the smaller cookies because I don't quite understand them. But they're delicious. They are delicious. They're all delicious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, all all jokes aside, I do like the analogy. Um th there is one question though that I would have. While it's undoubtedly that that if you can slim down and uh reduce all the overhead, you can run more on top of the infrastructure, of course. That that's a, that's uh, self-explanatory. But the main benefit that I've observed out in the world is not the efficiency gain. The customers don't have an infrastructure crunch. It's not a problem of, I don't have enough compute to run these containers. The thing that drives this is the efficiencies that you get in not having to think about those problems. So you're, you're right, and I agree with it, but but I think that we're, we're not quite circling the right part of it. Because I'm afraid that someone hears this and they're like, well, I've got plenty of infrastructure. I don't need this. No, you still need it. You need to pay attention. It's just going to solve a different problem for you. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the, it, it, I try to highlight several different components that are usually highlighted as benefits of containers. The infrastructure thing is one of them. Uh, also, I didn't mention it when I explained it just now, but uh, smaller cookies bake up faster a container will spin up faster than a VM. It'll take several minutes to create a VM, whereas it takes usually a few seconds or less than a second to spin up a container. Uh, so there's the speed, there's the resource efficiency, as well as portability. Sounds like an important yeah. detail, Kaslin. Ah, uh, you know. <laughs> now I get it. I haven't given this talk yeah. in a while. Yeah, it's fine. I put you on the spot. It's okay. There's also the reproducibility. <laughs> There's also reproducibility because in provenance because you have the recipe for the cookie and it's shared, so you can see how that container was made. Like the Docker file, you can use the Docker file or the Pod YAML to understand how the the the, the container is being deployed. You can use you know, the recipe here is the analogy to that, and also it's already baked. And you just got to put the cookie somewhere. So just like that, just like your container yeah. lives in Docker Hub or on your own registry, um, 
like, you know, if I'm buying cookies from the store that are already made, you know, it's one cookie tastes the same as the, you know, one brand of cookie should taste the same no matter where I am. Right. So this is again with her metaphor of the cookie, you know, like running it in one cloud or my own, own laptop or anywhere should be pretty much the same. Just like eating that cookie anywhere, you know, if it's a, I love, I love seeing how people expand on this analogy. <laughs> I've seen a, a Twitter post recently. Someone tagged me. They used the analogy of like, cookie sandwiches to talk about containers and like the filling of them. Um, and I build it when I uh, submitted it to KubeCon as I'm giving people this analogy and I'm hoping that people will find it an interesting way to explain container technology to others and to learn about it. And I think people have really picked up on that. It's really cool. Yeah, I love the analogy. Uh, oh yeah, I was it's very just, good. As as I was listening to it, I was concerned that somebody would hear this conversation and just roll their eyes and say, "I don't have an infrastructure crunch problem." Well, I don't care oh, yeah. if that's not your problem. You still need to pay attention. Yeah, great point. It's the way the infrastructure crumbles. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Retrospectively, um, so as far as you know, what else you're working on? Part of that, what you're doing is is mentoring. So, how do you mentor yeah. and 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 Tell, and tell us about how you and Rippy used to interact when you were here. Yeah. So Rippy was one of my first mentors when I got into the tech industry. Uh, so we just happened to sit near each other. We weren't on the same team or anything. Uh, and Rippy was all excited about this container technology. And he would tell anyone who would listen about it. He has a bunch of stuff in his cube that is... Uh, all about his evangelism of container technology. Still true to this day. So. Yeah. People made all these meme photos for me, like, brace yourself. Um, you know, Rippy's about to start talking about Docker and stuff like that. <laughs> excuse me, sir. Have yeah. you heard about... <laughs> yeah, excuse me, sir. Have you heard Docker. about Docker? Is another good one. It's like an octopus pulling the person back. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So uh, I was new to the industry, and I was trying to learn about all kinds of different technology so I was like, sure, tell me about this Docker thing, Rippy. And now here I am, a few years later, telling all sorts of people about container technology with interesting artwork. <laughs> so that's I worked can, out well. <laughs> uh, I can tell you that that surprised absolutely no one who knew you at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so, so Glenn, did, uh, did Rippy pull you aside and give you the, the container Oh, speech? no, no, no. He just looked at me, rolled his eyes, and said, just talk to Sully. He'll explain it to you. No, I didn't. I pulled you aside, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> A little conflict here. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so I've since, of course, moved on to Oracle, and now I'm a cloud advocate talking about all of this stuff. And now I'm trying to give back that mentorship that Rippy taught me and now I work with a local coding school in Seattle called uh, Ada, and they focus on women and gender diverse people and getting them into the technology industry. So I'm an industry mentor for them. Their students get both an Ada mentor, someone who has been through their program before, and someone who is in the industry and can talk to them about what working in the industry is like, help them uh, with interviews, help them uh, generally understand what it's going to be like to work in tech. So that is one way that I am becoming a mentor myself now. I've mentored two students now. One of them just graduated, and one of them is just about to start her internship. 
I'm curious along those lines uh, and along you know just the subject of mentoring, since you've spanned this industry in a pretty interesting way, right? Spending some time at NetApp, working now at Oracle, but also spending your time in the container space, you're very much connected to those old worlds of IT and the new worlds that are emerging. Do you find that there's a difference in those two, those two different pools or is it the same methodologies applied universally? Hmm. Methodologies in terms of technology or in terms no, of just, just ways of yeah, <laughs> ways of dealing with it, right? When you're trying to give someone advice for working in this business and you know what it's going to be like and, and how they, they, they chart their path through their career, do you think it changes when, when we start to take a look at these new uh, DevOpsy uh, ways of doing business? So there are definitely things that overlap and there are things that are different. I often talk to people from like both ends of the spectrum, people who have been Linux admins for years and years, and they've worked with the old, older, like legacy ways of running systems. And I've also talked to people who have never seen those ways of doing things. They've always been in this cloud space. And when it comes to your career uh, and someone who's just starting off their career, they need to know the things that they're going to encounter first. And then Understanding how things were done in the past is also important. Uh, so both have a huge role to play in any mentorship situation. I understand what you're saying, right? You have to understand like, yes, in the context of my question, right? When, when you're talking about old and new, understanding that like, okay, yeah, no, we do it this way. Yeah, no, he might seem crazy and he does this really seeming convoluted process, there's a reason for that. Uh, and it's because this new ways only existed a little while. That does make sense. Um, I, I guess what I was yeah. getting at is more what I see uh, on, on, on my side of the house working at VMware, where we, we, we interact with, with all these various different customer bases. It's just occurred to me uh, over the past couple of years in particular working in VMware Cloud that Whilst these tech, the, these concepts are universal and everybody understands them, right? I don't, I don't think we really need to run out and teach people what containers are. Uh, it, it, at the same time, you don't see it being applied evenly across the board. Like it's, it's amazing to me how many shops like they'll start the conversation with "I do DevOps," and five minutes into the conversation, you realize no, you're just trying to execute waterfall in three month timelines. <laughs> yep, that's very common. A lot of people are really trying to get ahead on all of these new technologies and new methodologies, but there's a lot of information that they have to, to learn to be able to adopt all of this. So it's a very uh, kind of stuttery process. You'll find people who are all sorts of places. People talk about the cloud native journey, which sounds really uh, lame and like marketing-y, but it's really true. A lot of uh, companies are somewhere along this spectrum of trying to get to cloud native and DevOps, but they're also trying to work in the way that they've always done things. So they can be all sorts of places along that spectrum. It's very interesting. I'd also say at a meta level, it's, you know, it's very important to always keep learning. You know, everything changes so fast in the industry. Um, there is this, there is, you know, everything old is new again, does apply. There are a lot of things, even in the container world that, you know, have been around for, for a long time, but, um, you know, you got to keep learning. So it's very important. I mean, as a mentor and a mentee, you know, helping other people and, and, and learning yourself, it's a journey. It's not a destination. It's a lifelong, uh, it's a lifelong thing of learning and helping, I think. Learning is hard. Learning is hard. <laughs> it is. But you know what? That's a very good point, Rippy, because yeah. that is basically like, 
Should I get in IT? Do you like learning things from scratch constantly? Because that's what this job is. It is. Totally. It's and, also a lot of Googling. And yeah, and a lot of Googling. And stack, stack, and stack <laughs> overflow. <laughs> and everything you know, it's probably going to be, you know, like half of everything you know is probably going to be obsolete in like two and a half, three years, you know, in, in general. So yeah. you have to, just another reason to keep learning. Yeah, I actually went to a high school recently with another of my mentors out here. And we were talking to the students about what it's like to work in tech. And I mentioned that I always feel like I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like there's always something new that I don't understand at all. And I always feel like I'm behind. And uh, my mentor that I was speaking with uh, has been in this industry for much longer than I have. And he was like, yeah, that's how I always feel too. <laughs> it's just always like that. There's always new stuff to learn. Yeah, true. I don't trust the people who act like they know everything. No, no, yeah. Yeah, but they, they speak so forcefully. <laughs> they do. And, and convincingly. I know. <laughs> Why shouldn't I believe them? Yeah. Because they're lying. Yeah. Learning learning to learn is an important skill, you know, so. Well, I mean, it, it the whole imposter syndrome it's true. thing comes up, right? And, yeah. like, you could argue that it's actually not imposter syndrome. It's just the nature of the industry. You know, you're always going to, you're never going to know everything. It's not going to, it's not possible. Right. Yeah. I think giving it a name helps people understand it and deal with it. So I, imposter syndrome stuff is always really interesting. I read a lot about it. Yeah, it's a good point. So uh, Rippy, what are you doing these days with mentorship? Like, how are you? Yeah. So Kazan and I continue to talk and, 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 and um, you know, and now she's off learning all these awesome new things and, you know, she's teaching me stuff too. So, you know, she's mentoring me some now. Um, and um, also at NetApp, we have, uh, you know, these VTO days we can use. We have these uh, like um, volunteer days. In addition to our, you know, sick time, vacation time, we also get volunteer days. And uh, I like to use those to help with our outreach programs. We have a uh, a women in technology group and a young women in technology outreach program group. And, I, and I've helped out with uh, the young wit uh, uh, quite a few times now, maybe five or six times. Um, and it's, it's really fun. It's, it's really exciting to see their eyes light up as, you know, as they're learning new things. Um, we've done classes in um, augmented, rea uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, game design. It's not always just about storage. Um, but we're we're not, we're that's because we're not a storage company. Yeah, company. yeah, it's true. We're not. We're not. Just, we're, not we're a data company. <laughs> um, and so, but we try to. You know, it's 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 really exciting, and it's really uh, you know, it's cool to to help and, and learn. I've got. Um, I'm working on one for um, two two weeks from now. We're going to have one of these. We got a whole bunch. We got a bunch of Raspberry Pis, and we're going to be running Minecraft on them. We're going to teach them how to how to program a Minecraft bot. So that should be fun. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I want to be a men I want you to mentor me. Teach me I Minecraft will. bots. I will teach you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Glenn, what about you? What are you doing over at VMware in terms of mentorship? What sort of things does VMware offer? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, VMware's got a bunch of uh, really interesting programs inside the corporate culture with their take one, take two, take threes. Uh, depending on how long you've been with the company, there's there's different opportunities to go off and and try different things, just career wise and experimentation. Um, but but for me. Uh, I'm basically like the singular resource that, that sits around and answers anyone's question related to storage for an entire service of the business, right? So it, it's, it's basically mentorship the job. That's all I do is sit around in a Slack channel and monitor email addresses and then put out fires as they come up. And when one of those fires starts to turn into a forest fire, you write a blog post. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and blog posts recording what you've been through. 
are great ways to mentor kind of on a, a larger scale. You're not mentoring one person, but you're still sharing your experiences and helping people grow. I do it. Yeah, stop I mean, repeating myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there is that self. There is just the self gratification portion of it. Just like I've answered this too many times. I need a more scalable answer, and replying back with the URL scales better than me typing this up every time. But but the reality is, writing that post does two things. One, it forces me to actually go through fact check, make sure that I actually understand everything the way that I truly think that I do, so that I can explain it correctly. But then, too, it, it, it tends to raise that bar and force you to go just a little bit further than you do in that quick email response. So it's, it, it, at, although it's, it's become one of, uh, unfortunately, it's become like this tainted element of the tech business because so many people view it as something that's done for uh, nefarious reasons or for marketing purposes. Blogging really is the, the primary vehicle that, that you have for getting quick information out there on, on highly technical topics. Because as Rippy said, this stuff changes so fast. I can write a book. By the time I get it through the tech editor, the developers change the code four times, right? <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I actually have been wanting to make a blog specifically for, for that reason for a really long time. I wanted to explain the things that I've learned to myself by explaining them to others through blog posts and make sure that I understand everything. Um, so I actually started this comic blog adventure uh, before I started at Oracle. I... Uh, really wanted to learn how to do more stuff with containers. So I started out by running WordPress in containers and trying to learn how to do it in Kubernetes and how to self-host my own website, which is something that I had never done before. So I learned a lot just by creating this blog. And then I've learned a lot so far by creating these comics. It's really interesting. Yeah, that's a really good case study uh, an example for... I mean, it's something that we've seen elsewhere time and time again in the IT industry, right? If you go back into the early 90s, it was pretty common for people to have a, a desktop computer under their desk running some version of Windows as they were trying to study up for their MCS. Uh, as you get later on, those, those Windows boxes were replaced by little you know, vSphere boxes as everybody tried to become a VMware administrator. And here in 2019, right, that's, that's largely containers-based initiatives, mostly powered by Kubernetes. So it's, it, it, it is that same continuous process as, as we've kind of been kicking around for the, the, the past 30 minutes of this conversation, right? It's that always be learning, uh, get, get knee deep and, and hands on with this stuff. And, and that's where you'll actually learn. And then once you've, you've got that information, it's the process of sharing it with somebody else that, that, in my opinion, just really cements it, makes it so that you never forget it and you go from you know, the, the apprentice to the master in the process of teaching. Yeah. One, one of the things I like to do too, when I'm explaining something to people, like if I'm whiteboarding or whatever, and I, and I get done, um, I always like to ask them like at the end, now tell me what I just said back in your own words. Cause if, you know, if, if it just went over their head, they're not going to be able to do that. But if it, and if it's, if it made sense to them, then they'll be able to sometimes even show me a new insight that I didn't even see before, like telling about it from a different direction or whatever. Um, and if they didn't understand something, I can, they may not be, you know, as likely to ask questions, but, but asking it that way of tell me what I just told you, you know, they get a chance to go in deeper, um, if they need extra help, which I'm happy to do. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is, he's smiling. Yeah, I am. You want, you want Rippy? to talk more about containers yes i can do that uh, i don't know if he could do that <laughs> i don't know I don't sorry know. sorry <laughs> so um 
Kaslin, you're working in cloud advocacy. Um, so what does that entail? Uh, and like, what sort of things are you advocating? Yeah, I love cloud advocacy. It's super cool, uh, developer advocacy. So I think Ashley McNamara did a really cool post about developer advocacy recently. So if you want to learn uh, more about her perspective on it, definitely check out her blog. And if you're not familiar with Ashley McNamara, she uh, created the Go Gopher and she's uh, now working at Microsoft. I'm not exactly sure what her title is, but uh, she, I know, she's like a manager leads a team over now. there. Yeah. yeah, she leads a team. I think a, a developer advocacy team. She does, I believe, yeah. Which would make sense. <laughs> yeah, so she wrote up a really cool thing about it. Uh, but from my perspective, so we are going out to conferences, meetups, interacting with the community about all sorts of different topics, anything that could kind of fall into the cloud native sphere. Uh, so open source uh, containers and Kubernetes, uh, service meshes, all sorts of uh, like developer tools, lots of things. So we go out to these communities and we listen to what they're saying about the tools that they're using, about the problems that they're trying to solve. And we bring that information back into Oracle and we say, hey, the community's talking about this and this, and they're trying to solve these problems. How could we help? How could we uh, do something that will uh, help these communities. And we also bring out into those communities, hey, we created this thing at Oracle. We think it might help you. Uh, you should check it out. So for example, our managed Kubernetes service, um, we were one of the, the early managed Kubernetes services. Now all of the, the clouds pretty much have them. Uh, but it was exciting and is still exciting because it's an easier way to get started with Kubernetes. Before we had our managed Kubernetes service, I actually wrote a white paper about how to deploy Kubernetes from scratch on our cloud. And it was like 38 pages or something. <laughs> Kubernetes is a really hard thing to run. So it was really exciting for us to get this managed service up and running where you could just click a button and have a Kubernetes cluster. So that's something that we talk about at conferences, my team uh, creates a bunch of tutorials and guides to help our customers with all sorts of cloud native topics like service meshes and um, uh, Helidon is a Java project, uh, Java related project that we talk about uh, sometimes as well. There's all sorts of stuff in there. Um, so like I said, going out to these communities and telling them about what we're doing and bringing back what those communities are doing and seeing how we can incorporate that into our business. Excellent. And Glenn, what are you doing over there at VMware? Like what's, what's your day-to-day -day role and how does it tie into the storage industry? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so that I, I, I don't think I've been back on this show since I hiatus. You were but, uh, briefly on like for insight or something. I do remember that. Um, yeah. I, and I think my photo might still be on, on, yeah. uh, on the top, but that's yeah. beside the point. Uh, no. So, VMware Cloud is a uh, set of services where we take the vSphere product set, so vSphere, NSX, and then vSAN, uh, and then we can deliver that in an automated, manageable fashion, right? There, there are 1,400 some odd cloud partners out there under our vCPP program uh, that are using this technology to offer vSphere as a platform for customers in whatever environment using whatever kind of purchasing or operational system that they, they require. Uh, what I work on is a more scaled version of that, which is the VMware Cloud on AWS. It's a partnership where we, we have partnered directly with Amazon 
uh, and we are delivering the VMware suite of products that is, it, this is sold, delivered, and then supported by VMware proper running on top of the AWS infrastructure. So the relationship is 100% with VMware, right? The bill comes 100% from VMware. We pay AWS for the resources that we utilize in the back end on your behalf. Um, but it's, it's a managed instance of the product. And what's interesting for me, coming from that data fabric background, is <laughs> this is really taking a lot of those concepts that, that, that I believed in wholly for, for whatever that was, five, six years, and then just helping customers realize it quicker, more, more quickly, because we're offering them a, a turnkey platform where, you know, if you've got this problem where you've got your on-premises infrastructure, you've got your, 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 your fixed capacity uh, and, and your day-to-day, and then periodically you either do acquisitions or you need some transient space or you just have some new initiatives where you need to burst or, or, or uh, need some infrastructure capacity in a different geolocation part of the world, that's where VMC on AWS comes in. And for all of those customers, if they have a problem with storage, it ends up in my inbox. So it's it's a very uh, uh, wide role. Uh, it, it, it's what drew me to it originally. And it, it's, it's seeing the scale of customers. It's watching those pure software companies that have decided to get completely out of the data center business. They've just shut it down. And they, they, they've removed those administrators from their teams entirely. They've pushed 100% into their software stacks, and they're focusing purely on their products. And on the other end of the spectrum, you've got like the major financials and traditional Fortune 1000 customers who very much still have their on-premises infrastructures that are never going away, but, but are very much starting to look at this more holistic management model where they can manage the whole thing as a singular entity. Uh, it, it, I find it exciting because... It, believe it or not, this it, it, it cooperates with all of the stuff that Rippy and, and Castlin are out there doing because it, it exists beneath that layer, right? Um, in a lot of ways, the whole container versus hypervisor, do you put a, a container directly on, on a host or do you put it in a VM? Like, in my opinion, that's, that's kind of a... It's a religious thing, right? If you believe in one, believe it. I'm not going to convince you not to. It, it is what it is. Um, but, but at the end of the day... It's about how many barriers sit in between that operations team implementing what they've been tasked to do. And containers can help significantly solve the deployment problem. They can help solve the scale problem. They can help solve uh, the, the operations uh, and, and communications issues, right? Uh, and, and, and then cloud-based architectures, really, that's more of a financial aspect, right? It, it's taking a look at the problem space saying, how are we going to pay for this? And can I rent some resources uh, and use them temporarily and as part of this bigger initiative. So, Rippy, um, yes, what are you doing? Uh, like right now, like right like, now, like what are you working on? Um, so, yeah, I'm working on um, Trident um, and our Docker. It's our Docker and Kubernetes storage orchestrator. Um, I should I should also mention briefly that you know we have I don't know if it's been on the podcast before I'm sure it has but episode one eighty three one eighty three is the NK, NKS it is yeah so you know the, NetApp has their own Kubernetes service managed service uh, product so um, check that for for what we do they can tell they can, that that podcast will have it in more detail but no absolutely yeah but um yeah so um, Trident is our is our dynamic storage orchestrator in the Docker and Kubernetes space. And um, we have a new release coming out. You know, we have a release four times a year, um, January, April, July, and October. Um, and th- the new release is going to have uh, CRD support 
it's a it's a ask that um, a lot of our customers have had, and it's also going to have um, CSI support. Um, and and what are CRD and CSIs? Yeah, what are CRDs and CSIs? Well, CRDs are custom resource definitions. Kubernetes has given people the ability to store your own domain objects within the Kubernetes etcd instance. Um, a lot of the projects out there are are using it already, like Istio um, and some of the um, CNI, the, the 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 networking plugins are using this as well. So um, it's a simpler way. Um, many people view it as a simpler way to manage the the, the, the domain objects that their Kubernetes applications need. So. Um, we we previously had had a etcd instance that was co-located with Trident. It was it was another container in the same pod. So we are we are moving to storing our the metadata that we need about the um, the volumes um, and storage that we provisioned. We're moving it into those CRD definitions. Um, there's actually blog posts on you know on the pub about uh, there's there's blog posts about all these features like from uh, from for our initial alpha release and we'll, you know we'll have uh, follow on I'm sure when it, when it goes GA here at the you know. Uh, in the end of July. Um, and CSI is the container storage interface. Um, that is where a lot of the, um, the new innovations happening uh, for um, storage for Kubernetes. So they, there's a specification that, you, that providers need to implement. You know, many providers, ourselves included, are implementing that and becoming CSI, you know, official CSI providers. Um, one one new feature, one pers- one reason people may want to uh, you know jump on the new release is because that's where we're adding snapshots. Um, things are becoming. In the past, we were we were able to um, we've we've innovated and added a lot of features sort of as uh, aside to Kubernetes. As Kubernetes is sort of catching up <laughs> with us, um, they're put they're catching up in the CSI space. So this is a way for us to absorb the uh, upstream contributions. Our new CSI features that we're adding, you know, they make us. You know, more cloud native. You know, help us engage with the community at large. You know, um, and it'll make it easier for us to pick up upstream changes in the storage world as um, the CSI, uh, the six CSI, as part of Kubernetes, is you know innovating in that space. Cool. It didn't sound like you're reading that off your phone at all. I'm not. Well, most of it I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking at the bullet points. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And uh, we're it's good to be prepared. Well, yeah, I'm not prepared. Trying to prepare. We should also have um, the new ANF support as well. The, within uh, with our new release. What is ANF? The Azure NetApp Files. Ooh, yeah, I've heard so of that. You've probably heard of AWS, our CVS integrations. Yeah. So it's like that, but for Azure. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. A lot of cool stuff that everyone is working on. Yeah. Very cloudy, too. It's yes. weird. It's almost like people have predicted this was going to happen for years. Yeah. Glenn, what do you think? Is it going to catch on? This. <laughs> yeah, no. It is, it, is, <laughs> it is absolutely going to catch on. I it's, don't know. Uh, well, so again, I have a potentially weighted interest in this, but it is what it is. Uh, it is going to it is going to catch on, but I don't think that it is a des. I still don't think it's a destination, right? It's it, it has a place. There are scenarios where it is advantageous, um, and specifically when when we say what is it in this context, I think we're talking like cloud based stuff, uh, CBS and and Azure Files that sort of stuff. Um, it has a place that augments that, that on-premises installation, but I still think that the vast majority of the world's data is going to stay inside those privately owned organizations and privately owned data centers. It's just, it's just too cost effective uh, when you're going to run something for three, six years to just own it rather than rent it. And I say that as someone who sells something that you rent. 
Yeah, I mean, people have also kicked the tires on it and realized that in, in reality, right? They've they've had that experience and they're like, oh yeah, maybe we shouldn't do this. But they've tried it and they've gone back. But there's still there's still benefits, right? And and I'm a bit of a, a broken wheel, but I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep kicking it just because it, it needs to be repeated. You know, there are different kinds of problems out there. Cost is not always the number one concern, right? Containers very much don't solve the cost problem. They solve it indirectly. That, but what they directly solve is the, the innovation gap problem. They help you iterate faster so that you can close that gap. If they didn't do that, they wouldn't be taking off like wildfire. It's because they enable a development team to move quickly, or more quickly through a problem space and get to that actual end state because they don't waste so much time in the middle just trying to get through basic builds and, and, and qualifications. They can just you know, compile, run, did it work? No, keep going. Right. And it just enables you to run through that space. So these bigger systems are absolutely going to take hold. What we're really talking about when we talk about clouds and services are it's the classic build versus buy problem. Right. Are you going to build it or are you just going to buy it from somebody? And then in that equation, how long do you need it? Right. Are you going to need it for years and years and years? Well, you should probably go through that RFP and, and go ahead, get, get a couple vendors, get a couple looks and take your time. Is this a new initiative and you think your competitor might have it launched by next quarter? No. Get it live now. You don't have time for this. So it depends on what you're talking about. And scale, too. It's, I love talking about how cloud native has changed the way that we look at things, the different capabilities that the cloud has that have brought about this concept of cloud native. Being able to spin up more capacity on demand is very attractive for certain workloads and certain problems. So it's different capabilities of the cloud versus running things uh, yourself. Oh, totally. That's that's one of those use cases, right? We've got customers that take that on-premises installation. And uh, we've got a customer that, that more recently started playing around with moving an on-premises service up into VMware Cloud and AWS so that they could leverage Amazon's Route 53 DNS services and their, their front-bound uh, or front-end WAS protection services to just bolt on top of, of a new service that they were launching because they didn't have their internal system ready to go, right? Just a, well, all right, well, there's this cloud-based thing. How can I connect it into my line of service app to solve this problem for the next six months while we finish our back-end homegrown version of this? It's just that level of flexibility and just acting like water, right? Just going where the flow is less restrictive and staying focused on that end state of, of the problem. Businesses that, that are doing that, especially in cloud spaces, they are winning, right? Just because, it, they, they, as I said, they're getting through the problem faster. They're getting to the solution. Anything else we want to cover? Well, yeah. we didn't talk about how you could scale out a cookie factory. Like, you... <laughs> yeah. It's true. So I... yeah. <laughs> Just He's... maybe you can make a comic add that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You should also add one about raisins and how they're not necessary, and that's like a VM. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Glenn. I might actually. I'm considering trying to do like mini comics in between bigger comics to try to get myself putting comics out there more more frequently. Maybe that's one that I should add to my short comic list. There you go. <laughs> raisins are evil. <laughs> evil raisins. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's left field, but before we move past it, I love these comics. My daughter is an artist, so she do, she she draws pictures for me all the time, and nice. I love the idea of combining these two into a tech-based story. Like this is a yeah, cool book, Caslin. Well done. Yeah. Yay! I'm so glad that you like it. And actually, what Rippy was mentioning the the cookie factory that's a little 
sneak preview of some of the drafts that I'm working on right now. Uh, so look forward to more cool stuff in the future. <laughs> yes. There's a, there's another uh, lady out there that does the comics and tech stuff and she does it for more of like a Julia Evans. I yeah. Think. Julia. Yeah. Julia Evans. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's so got good. a lot of good, good ones too. Yeah, she's got yeah. a lot of good ones. Yeah. Her approach is very different from mine. And she, her, her comics are kind of like notes, like she solved this problem or she had this experience and she just writes down what that was like and uses these cute little stick figures to kind of explain the situation and uh, how, how it looks. So they're really cool. They're really great. I love it, man. The more the merrier because no, no two people learn the same, right? For Absolutely. one person, a yeah. graphic novel is going to work. For the next person, it's a podcast. Someone else needs a YouTube video. The, yeah. As vendors, our jobs are to produce all of the above. Yeah. Is, I mean, kind of on the theme earlier about mentorship, but slightly, you know, like the diversity. That's why, you know, having a, a lot of different opinions, a lot of different views, a lot of different backgrounds, you know, it's, it's great because, you know, you don't just want this homogenous view of the world, you know, it's, it's great to have all these different views and all this different input. I and mean, I think the, you know, the sum is greater than the, the parts, you know, this synergy. I mean, it's a lot of buzzwords, but I'm, but I'm, I'm being honest and serious and sincere here. I, you know, it, it is great in my opinion to have all these new, you know, all these, all these new ways of viewing things, you know, from yeah, all these. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I always tell my mentees to try to help them understand why they're in this program that's specifically geared towards minorities in tech, they're going to get questions about it. People are going to ask why it's important. They're going to ask why they're there. Uh, so one thing that I always tell them about is when I got into tech, my mom got me this book about women in tech and minorities in tech and explaining why it's important. And one of the things it says in it is the first artificial heart that was ever created was too large to fit in a woman's body because the people who developed it were all men and they didn't think about women having a smaller body. And the first um, voice recognition software couldn't actually hear women's voices because women usually speak in a higher tone, which the men who developed it didn't think about. So it's important to have people from all sorts of different walks of life, from all sorts of different uh, experiences creating tech because everyone uses tech. Yeah, there's also an issue with like uh, the the hand, like the washing your hands. They they couldn't sense like darker skin tones because of the water reflection. <laughs> so that was another design flaw that you yeah. know we need to have more people of diversity trying to help eliminate. Ah, uh, you need both. You need diversity. You also need iteration because even even with perfect diversity, some problems slip through the cracks. But no, there, there's there's a hundred cases of that. Uh, a couple months ago, I, I was I was lucky enough to to head out to our. Uh, internal R&D, uh, internal offsite uh, radio conference here at VMworld. And we had um, this brilliant researcher from uh, MIT come in and talk to us, a lady named Joy. I can't pronounce her last name. Unfortunately, I'm not even going to try. Uh, but, but just talking about the, the biases in facial recognition and her own journey with the process. And, and a technology that I started the talk going, oh, this is neat. I ended going, oh, that's complete and utter garbage and we shouldn't use for anything because it barely works. Uh, except for the four types of people who it's been optimized for exclusively. And it's, it's exactly the same problem as, as what Kasson was talking about. The only way to solve those problems and to spot them is through a combination of building teams that, that are diverse, that, that have a diverse experience, diverse mindset, so that we can spot these problems beforehand. But even in those scenarios, they're going to go wrong. So you need iteration. You just got to be able to move quickly through the problem and 
technologies like container and cloud make that happen. So uh, if we wanted to get in touch with you, Glenn, how would we do that? Uh, Twitter's probably the best place these days, G-L-N-S-I-Z-E. But uh, anything VMware-related, you, you'll, you'll find me somewhere in the wings. Just give me a shout-out. Excellent. And Kaslin? Yeah. <laughs> so Twitter <laughs> is probably the, the best way to, to get a hold of me. I'm always on Twitter. And then uh, probably LinkedIn. And then we have my little team has our own website at cloudnative.oracle.com. There's been a lot of stuff going on, so I don't know if that's going to move or anything, but at least for now, you can check out all of our tutorials and stuff and uh, there. And if you want to try out Oracle Cloud, we have a free trial available. You can just like Google Oracle Cloud free trial uh, and find that. And Rippy. Yes? How do we find you? I'm on Twitter as well, at J-K-R-I-P-P-Y. You're also on Slack. I am on Slack. I'm on the pub as well. That's right. I'm Rippy on there. Just You're everywhere. I'm everywhere, man. Everywhere. Yeah. I once saw, I saw him at the gym one time. And yeah. Yeah. It's completely off campus. Yeah. That's true. So a lifetime. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Every, <laughs> he literally is everywhere. I am everywhere. Um, yeah. Also, um, are we? Do we have any other sort of things that we wanted to say about what NetApp is doing in terms of developers? Oh yeah, we're hiring. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we're often hiring, but um, yeah, especially if you're interested in the cloud space, you know, go go online, look at the recs. Um, we ha- we have uh, openings available. Yes, go to the recs. Yeah, go to. Can the recs. confirm working with Rippy is awesome, so you should probably check. It that is. Out. <laughs> and, and I got a plus one there. Yeah, working plus. with Gaslin and Glenn and Justin. Hey, is all awesome as well. Everyone is awesome. <laughs> yeah, everyone's uh, great. I, I will plus one and star working with Rippy. Oh, thanks. <laughs> So Even if he didn't yeah. personally explain containers to me. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Thanks so much for joining us today and uh, talking to us about all sorts of things. It was nice catching up with everyone on this 200th episode. Yeah. Special thanks for Sully for showing up as always. Who's that? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Glenn Sizemore, Kaslin Fields, and Jonathan Rippey for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.